Welcome to The Plants We Eat. This is a show where we investigate the history, science, and culture behind the plants that we use for food. I'm Jeff Gilman, director of the UNC Charlotte Botanical Gardens and a plant history enthusiast. And I'm Cindy Proctor, part-time instructor at Central Piedmont Community College in Charlotte and a garden coach professional. Garden coach professional. But you, you just pick different terms every week. Just of course. Just to confuse me, I think. Just to amuse you. It's what I I'm like, here for. I like to be amused. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going to talk about oregano. And oregano is, uh, you know, we talked last week about paprika. And paprika was, uh, you know, our, our non-exciting or exciting, depending on how you look at it, red spice. And now we have our green spice. It feels a little like Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're getting close to that. So we, are, we are. Yes. So oregano. It's... Uh, so if I had one spice in my cabinet, besides salt and pepper, it would be oregano. And I often think of oregano as kind of the third spice. It is because it, it provides such great flavor to so many things. And a lot of the food uh, recipes we follow have a, an Italian flair to it, I think, or saucy, you know, type uh, background to it. And so oregano is your standby. For, for flavor. And the crazy thing is, you look at the history of oregano in the, in the U.S. in particular, and what you find is that while oregano has been here for hundreds of years, it has not been a major spice in our pantries until World War II. That's right. And, and that's because our soldiers came back home, you know, uh, from World War II and started talking about the cuisine that they had when they were in service. And so it, it made its way over here, and we've, we've loved it ever since. And you look at, at literature prior to 1940, and you rarely even see the word oregano. That's right. That's it, right. That's, when that's we're talking about food. Right, well, when we're talking about food. That's right. If you're talking about how to cure everything and anything. Then you find, you find it's it. It's like alcohol. Yes, it, it practically was. I mean, just the cure-all. Well, I mean, back in that period of time, it, we weren't using the scientific method to prove that things cured stuff. We were basically using the, hmm, that smells really strong. It must be strong medicine. That's right. Trial and error, too. <laughs> so oregano is part of the mint family, which is a huge group of plants that includes everything from peppermint to spearmint to, to oregano. The, uh, the, the genus that uh, oregano is in, or the group of plants that oregano is in, has about 50 different species. It includes oregano, uh, marjoram, which I didn't know much about marjoram until I started reading about oregano, and, and a few others. Generally speaking, this is a spicy group. But most of the flavors aren't particularly common in America, except for the oregano and, and the marjoram. Have you ever used marjoram? Not very much. In fact, when we were talking about doing oregano, I didn't even know. I, I, I don't even have it in my cabinet. I don't, I don't have marjoram in my cabinet either. I certainly have oregano. Oh, sure. Um, the first records of oregano are actually from Egypt, but we think of it as a Greek spice, and it is a Mediterranean plant. It, uh, it, when, you think of, when you think of this, where it's originated, you, you think of Greece, and uh, if you think about the word oregano, oros means mountain, and genos means joy or brightness, so this is the brightness of the mountain. The Greeks believe this herb was created by the goddess Aphrodite, and uh, it was a symbol of happiness. In ancient Greece, couples that were getting married were actually crowned with oregano, and oregano plants were actually placed on tombs 
which was supposed to give joy to departed spirits. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a departed spirit, you need a little bit of joy, I guess, <laughs> wherever, you, wherever you can find it. Um, the, you know, when we were talking last week about paprika, it was a, um, we, we talked about it being adulterated. Paprika had all kinds of red things put into it because it's, the quality of paprika was based upon its color. Well, let me tell you something. You look at oregano and you look at adulteration, and oregano is like the king of adulterated spices. Well, it's got green leaves. Right, exactly. It's got these green leaves, so everybody uh, spikes it with everything. Mm -hmm. And I found, uh, as I went through the literature, uh, evidence of being spiked with uh, strawberry leaves, Mm -hmm. uh, sumac leaves. Weeds. Certainly weeds. The most common one that I actually found, though, was um, olive leaves. Really? So, yeah, they would use olive leaves to spike it. And if we, if we look at how frequently it was adulterated, something between 25% and 40% of the bottles of oregano out there are actually going to be uh, adulterated in some ways. But the biggest adulteration that I found was an urban spice seller named Hoyt's. And this one was in Australia. And they were fined about $11,000 after they found that about 50% of the oregano in the bottle actually wasn't oregano. It was actually olive leaves. Hmm. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. And then, of course, while you're looking at this, I also had the opportunity to go through a whole bunch of different chemistry papers. And these chemistry papers actually discuss different ways that you can investigate oregano to identify either what it is or that it's not oregano. A lot of these had to do with identifying the different oils that you would get from the oregano Mm -hmm. and and see whether these oils were indeed oregano or whether they come from somewhere else. Now, there are things that oregano is spiked with, uh, I'll call it naturally or acceptably. That's, That's what I should say, acceptably. So there are some leaves that are kind of accepted in oregano, and those actually include um, marjoram. Marjoram Mm -hmm. will frequently be in oregano, and that's considered more or less okay. Um, Spearmint will often be in oregano. Uh, Pennyroyal will sometimes be there, and there's a type of uh, lemon balm which will sometimes be in there. Now, of course, if a, if a label says that it's solely oregano, then there's a shorter list. But if it says oregano and other spices, then any of those may, in, may be in there. Olive leaves don't really count as a spice. No, <laughs> no. But that doesn't mean it can be labeled an herbs to province either. No, no. That has a bunch of labeled herbs in it. Right. So, I'm surprised about Pennyroyal. I'm, st- I'm still hanging on Pennyroyal. Okay. It's, you know, that's just a short list. I have to be honest, Penny Royal, I don't know much about it. it. It's a strongly, I know that it's a strongly scented thing that most people don't care for okay. because of the strength and uh, I say spiciness, but I think the pungency is the right word, the pungency okay. of the weed. In horticulture, it's a weed. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but that doesn't mean it can't also be a spice. Hey, Look at look at the herb dandelion. Well, you know that's that's one thing we haven't discussed: the difference between a spice and an herb. And generally speaking, an herb, we're dealing with the leaves of the of the plant. And, mm-hmm. and oregano truly is an herb, whereas a spice, we're usually de- dealing with seed, the seed or mm-hmm. seed pods. Mm-hmm. Uh, which which would okay, be we're, you're up. right. We didn't do that. Okay, yeah. So now another time, yeah, or right now, you know, right. just, just <laughs> <laughs> uh, one one of the. Uh, Oregano relatives that I was that I was actually fascinated by was Italian oregano, uh, which is it's a different it's a different type of oregano, which is actually uh, a hybrid 
between uh, basically marjoram and um, oregano. So you combine marjoram and oregano together genetically, and it's supposed to have the spice of oregano along with the sweetness of marjoram. And uh, it uh, it's the best best of both worlds. These uh, you know the marjoram and the oregano together. Now you may have heard of Mexican oregano, mm-hmm. but Mexican oregano actually is not straight oregano. It's actually a completely different family. We were saying that the oregano is from the mint family. Mexican oregano is actually from the verbena family, which honestly that's mostly I, that's mostly something that I find interesting because these are so botanically dissimilar um, in terms of the oils that they have. Uh, they're actually at least somewhat similar. So oregano is most known for the uh, for having one particular uh, oil, and that's carvacrol. Okay, mm-hmm. so carvacrol is really the I'd say that it's the compound that we most relate to the oregano smell. It it uh, it has kind of a creosote smell. And the interesting thing about it is that it has antibacterial properties. And these are actually strong antibacterial properties. And Cindy, you were, you were talking before about how, um, how oregano has been used for all kinds of medicines. Well, this is one that, that has real evidence. Uh, back in Greece, back in Roman days, if you had a significant wound, you would use this to pack into the wound to stop it from festering, mm-hmm. and there is significant evidence that it would uh, help to sterilize the wound and help to keep uh, infections out. So it's kind of neat that it, that it has that property. Right, when, when a lot of the things we've covered so far, there's been hearsay. You know, right, this been, might work, yes, this might not right, work. Right, right, right. But this one, there's real live evidence that this is a microbial agent stopping fungi, bacteria, potentially viruses. Not only that, the the other uh, the other medical uh, thing that there's at least some evidence for is that it can, at high enough rate, it can work as a laxative. One of the interesting ones that I found, or one of the interesting properties that I found, which I, I, I'm going to say there's limited evidence for, mm-hmm. is uh, is potentially causing um, uterine bleeding and spontaneous abortion. And I don't know well, if you found that mm-mm. there there was anecdotal evidence, right. but they say that you shouldn't have a lot of oregano during pregnancy, and I'd say there was enough anecdotal evidence that I would say that I wouldn't be, you know, drinking oregano tea or right. anything. Just so during, with some caution. Right. Okay. I, would, I, would, I wouldn't avoid pizza, but, uh, you know. Right. Just be careful. Be careful, right. right. Okay. Definitely a wise one to, to, uh, to watch. Also interesting that um, the flowers, so often— in these plants, flowers and leaves aren't related in flower in smell or in taste. No, but actually, the flowers of oregano do have a taste similar to the leaves, which you know I always think is an interesting thing. Oh, and one more, one more that I've actually used oregano and oregano oil for mm-hmm. numb toothaches. Mm-hmm. So it it actually does have a numbing property, which um, yeah works works pretty good. We have oregano oil in the. Uh, in the cabinet. For, oh, do you really? Yeah. Specifically for numbing? Just as an antiseptic or, yeah. And then one last one, nothing to do with healing, <laughs> but Carvacrol, which, by the way, 
can be made synthetically. Uh, and in this particular instance, it was for this test, but it can actually reduce knocking when at, when used with gas in engines. So it can reduce engine. Oh my knock. goodness! <laughs> I think uh, I think you know we were laughing about everything it can be used for. I think uh, the joke's on us. I mean, the <laughs> uh, clearly, clearly, it can be used for all kinds of things. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's an interesting plant. Uh, grows on hillsides. Well, have you got some experience? I I think oregano. Is absolutely fantastic. So a lot of people shy away from growing it because it's it might spread too much for for small gardens. But it's it's not like ivy. I mean, you can control it very easily. Uh, the books are going to say that it grows two feet tall, but that includes the flower. It is and rare, I, and it's rare. And I actually use it as a tattletale plant. And I don't know tattletale? if you've heard. So uh, if it's so hardy. And so tolerant of diverse conditions like drought and, and full sun, which is what it loves, that uh, if it's wilting, it's time to water. Okay. And that's what I'll call tattletale plants. And usually something that is so meaningful to use for so many ailments and, the, mm-hmm. and, and to spice up so many, you know, dishes would be a, a you know, a a plant for green thumb, not mm-hmm. for brown thumb. <laughs> right. <laughs> and this that's a great plant to have and easy and it's available everywhere. It's it's a neat plant to have between steps. Yes. And so just, you know, do it harvest it before it flowers. That's mm-hmm. always really a lot of things that's the case. Well now the uh the oregano that we, and the margarine that we typically deal with is a perennial. So yes, it's sorry. Not a, yes. It, so it's a perennial. It's gonna grow and it's gonna die back every winter. Sure. Um now, Which makes it great, you know, a one-time investment. So if we harvest it um, before and after flowering, is there any difference in fragrance or taste of the leaves? So anything um, that you're growing, that, that you're like even basil, you mm-hmm. know, anything that you're using the leaves as, mm-hmm. as an or herb, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you should harvest it before it flowers or remove the flowers. Because the flavor changes. It does. It changes because, the, you know, a lot of the energy is used into flower production, understandably. Right. It, <laughs> it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of energy. And so um, just make sure you do that. And I and drying these things are so easy. I mm. mean, I, if you have a place off to the side in your kitchen or, or your house or or porch or whatever and let it let it air dry. Now, your ornamental oreganos are actually different from the ones that they're different cultivars from the ones we use for food, but at the same time they're perfectly edible and the flavor is very similar and some people prefer them, but I think it's worth noting that they are different cultivars so the flavor is going to be a, maybe a little different than what well, you're used to. In all honesty, they may also it, be different what you used to because they don't have olive leaves in them. Right. I know well that, that was going to be my point. The more that we do these you know, these topics and mm-hmm. study these foods, I'm going to start growing more and more for harvest. Now, I would right. grow for ornamental reasons, but right. for harvest, I mean, you're going through all the effort to make dinner. Yeah. Let's uh, let's have the real deal to spice it, right? <laughs> exactly. And so that that's uh, this would be an easy one to do. Are- and oregano is one. Uh, like I said, it's easy to do. It's a beautiful plant. Uh, I love it between stone steps, even between uh, brick steps. It puts up with a lot of different uh, harsh conditions. It uh, obviously smells great when you step on it. Although, if you're stepping on it, you got to ask whether you really want to dry it out to uh, you know, <laughs> to eat it. But uh, I like it for the for the fragrance when you when you step on it again between stone steps. Uh, now, the the majorum people will 
in literature, it kind of alluded to you can either use one or the other. You can't use if you run out of oregano no. and you have marjoram in the cabinet. It's not a. It's a. It's a floral taste, really, for salad dressings and marinades. It, it but like oregano is pungent. Yes, it's not. It's not. It's definitely not a uh, substitute one for the other. At least not without some really careful thought. Right. They're definitely not a, a one-to-one trade-off. No, and uh, and it's sometimes called the pizza herb because mm-hmm. it's used. I mean, a fair amount. Honestly, it's used anytime you're going to use tomato sauce. <laughs> Or no. chili, or, or, well, I guess tomato sauce is in chili, right? But just anything you're going to use tomato sauce You know, for. we were talking about all these different oreganos. I did want to point out one cultivar, which I happen to like, which is Hopley's Purple Oregano. Have you heard of no, that? No, uh-uh. Worth looking at. It's just a, you know, it's a, it's pretty purple, but it's a, it's a, it's fragrant, and it's also known for its leaves. So it's one that is easily used for both ornament and for food. Now, the leaves are really small. Yes. So you will have to harvest you know, a lot. A, a lot to get a jar full. Well, you can know. have stems in there, too. I mean, it won't hurt to have the I stems. I know, but I like the le- I just want <laughs> the leaves. You know, who wants to chew on a stem when well, you're eating yeah. spaghetti? But, but yes, the leaves, uh, it has small little leaves. So, I mean, I always do three, and if it gets kind of in the way of other things, it's not like it's not a big deal to thin and, and um, cut back. Absolutely. And a tattletale plant. And a tattletale plant, which hey, you can never have too many tattletales right. telling you when <laughs> telling you when the rain just isn't doing its that's job. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you for listening to the plants we eat. This has been a production of the UNC Charlotte Botanical Gardens with the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences and the Isle Group at UNC Charlotte. We look forward to talking with you next week. <laughs>